is the Healthy Free Life Show, where you're going to learn a new way to eat and live healthy for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Katrina. And I'm Chris, and we're on a mission to help you get healthy, ditch disease, lose weight, and find food freedom so you can fulfill your God-given purpose. So if you're ready to get healthy and free so that you can live that abundant life that you've been promised, then let's do the thing. Did you know that almost all of our 30 trillion plus cells are continuously renewing? For instance, your skin cells. Our body gets rid of 30 to 40,000 old skin cells every single day. The skin we see today will be gone in about a month. There is an essential nutrient that is needed in order for our bodies to renew itself and to function properly. And that nutrient is protein. That's what we're talking about in this episode. We're going to talk about what exactly is protein, why protein is so important. We're going to talk about how most people are not getting enough protein, and you may be one of them. And we're going to talk about how much protein you should be eating in order to maintain a healthy body. You ready to dive in? Let's do it. Okay, so let's first talk about what is protein. So protein is the most important vital macronutrient. So when we talk about macronutrients, we are talking about proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. So I'm sure most people know fats and carbohydrates and maybe even protein, but I think what we need to understand is that protein is the most important of the three. In fact, the word protein comes from a Greek word meaning primary or holding the first place. So we're going to take you back to high school science class and let's define for them what exactly is protein? Yeah, well, first of all, I really think they did a good job of naming protein, because <laughs> I agree. So they did a good job with the naming of protein. But protein is a macronutrient, but when you really look at it and you break it down, proteins are actually made up of things called amino acids. And amino acids, we say amino acids are basically the building blocks of life, because without, without these amino acids, we would actually cease to survive, because like you said, so many vital bodily functions and components of our how our structure is even made up is made up of proteins. So when we don't have those type of those building blocks, so if you're building a house, you need specific building blocks. And if you don't have those, you're going to have a very weak structure or you're you're not going to have a structure at all. So um, I, I don't think people really realize they just think, okay, well, I'm eating chicken or I'm eating fish. Um, they don't really realize what really happens when you when you really, when your body breaks that down, because your body, once you would ingest it, your body is digesting it and breaking down those long chains of amino acids and it's breaking them down into individual amino acids. And then your body is now then transports it into areas of the body in order to either repair things or rebuild things. Um, I think one of the crazy stats is something like our body uses up to about 300 grams of protein a day just in all of the remodeling and the building process that it does in a day. So that that's it's a pretty crazy number to think about that our body uses that much in a day. Yeah. And so a little side note here, doesn't mean that we need to eat 300 yeah. grams of protein a day. We're going to talk about how much yeah. we need, but our body's literally breaking itself down yeah. and reusing protein that our body already has on us. And so protein is literally the building block of life. And so it these these amino acids are helping us to make cells, muscle, connective tissue, hair, blood, enzymes, neurotransmitters, hormones, and so much more. We literally are what we eat, which can be kind of scary because yeah. it's like, what is it that you eat 
that's what we are, right? And so we've got to make sure that we are consuming not only the right amounts of protein, but the right types of protein, because that will matter as well. All right, so we've already defined that protein is a vital macronutrient, right? And that it's the building block of all life, helping with so many things. But I think we want to go ahead and dive into deeper as to why it's so vitally important. Mm -hmm. And um, there are obviously bodily reasons why it's important. You know, we talked about building and the repairing of tissues. Um, We also can see that protein is going to help us to synthesize hormones and enzymes. So it's actually the building block of hormones and enzymes. And so it's very important in in regulating various bodily functions. So, for example, insulin, we talk a lot about insulin here, which regulates blood sugar levels. Insulin is actually synthesized, made from protein. Enzymes. Enzymes help us to break down food and aid in digestion. Enzymes are also made up of proteins. So again, if we don't have these proteins coming in, supporting our our body, we're not going to be able to function as well. We're not going to be able to potentially regulate blood sugar as well. We're not going to be able to um, to digest our food as well. Fairly important things. Yeah. Protein also helps us to support our immune system. So it's very important, for instance, antibodies, which are also proteins. Mm-hmm. They play a crucial role in fighting infections, right? Um, along with other uh, other things when it comes to our immune system. What we really want to do is we really want to talk about a few areas as to why protein is so important, especially as it relates to our metabolism, our health, and even weight loss. So let's tackle weight loss first. How does protein support weight loss? Yeah, this is one of the big reasons why we like protein so much here. Um, so basically, what we've talked about in the past is that in, in previous podcasts is that we need to create a calorie deficit in order to lose weight. And one part of the calorie deficit is eating less. And when you're going through your, your you know, a diet journey, say, one of the big things uh, why people can't sustain a diet is because they get hungry and they just get those senses, the urges just to eat more. Our body is designed, as we've talked about in, in previous podcasts, is that we have these this survival software that's controlled by hormones that is going to drive you to eat. Well, we need to find ways to counteract those feelings of hunger and wanting to eat more. And so we would need to focus on foods that would get us full the quickest so when we eat a meal it we need foods that would stop us from eating as much or slows us down and decreases the amount of food that we eat per meal but also types of foods that will also keep us full longer so that we can get from meal to meal with the least amount of eating and snacking in between because that's where we've noticed most of our people and our weight loss programs struggle the most with snacking And a lot of times it has to do with they don't eat the right proper macronutrients at the meal before. So most people will struggle going from lunch to dinner. And when we really look, a lot of it has to do with what they're eating at lunch. So we're looking at what can we do at lunch to support a good overall fullness so that they can get from lunch to dinner with the least amount of snacking, right? So that's where protein comes in. Well, protein has the most, they, they've done all kinds of studies to show, they've tested all the different macronutrients, and protein by far always scores the highest when it comes to a satiety score, meaning when you eat protein, it actually keeps you full the longest. So how does that work? There's a couple mechanisms, but really, it really comes down to hormones again. 
So when you eat protein, there's certain hormones get released and they go to your brain that actually tell your brain that you're full. And so that those are important because we want those hormones to go to our brain to stop us from eating. What it also does is it also blocks hormones, like there's a hormone called ghrelin, which that's kind of when you think about when your stomach's growling, um, that's a hormone that's getting released telling your brain that you're hungry. Well, eating more protein, when your intestines sense that you've got protein on board, it actually blocks the signal of the ghrelin to your brain so you actually don't feel as hungry. So that's one of the main reasons why protein helps so much with weight loss is because it really is just a almost like a biohack in a way. It creates that ability to get from meal to meal with the least amount of eating in between meals and then even um, eating after meals, like after dinner meals. So if you hit your protein numbers throughout the day, you're going to be less likely to overeat and you're going to be less likely to uh, snack and even possibly binge on higher calorie carbohydrate filled foods that people tend to struggle with. Yeah. Like we like to think about, you know, you can really put it into mental practice when you think about the difference between a piece of chicken breast versus yeah. a uh, donut, right? And so they might have the same amount of calories, but definitely different macronutrient makeup. And so how many chicken breasts can you eat? Right. Most likely just one, mm-hmm. but how many donuts could you eat? multiple, right? Our son will often joke, I could do the whole dozen, right? But chicken breast, no, we can't do that. And so it's because like you're saying, the the hormonal responses to those two. So a calorie is not a calorie because yeah. we respond hormonally different to those different calories. No, it is still, like I said, it's still 300 calories, but what that does hormonally in your system is completely different. And it's, again, it's really going back to how those those hormones are signaling your brain in order to make you feel full. Yeah. And then think about if you had for lunch, if you had a donut for lunch or a chicken uh, or a piece of chicken breast for lunch, right? What will you feel like at two, three o'clock in the afternoon? And so if I have a donut for lunch, I am definitely feeling all sorts of blood sugar issues. I'm feeling hungry. I'm feeling tired. And I'm like, where's where's the next donut versus having a chicken breast? Obviously, hopefully you have a little bit of fiber with that, too. But it's like that's going to sustain you. It's not going to be as yummy, right. but it's going to sustain you longer. So that's going to help you to, like you're saying, uh, overall decrease calories more easily in right. order to hit your calorie deficit goal, which again, is not too much, but just enough. Just enough. But to not feel like you're always constantly blowing it, right? And I think that that's what can happen if we're in that hunger state is that, is that we just feel defeated because we just blow it. Yeah, you're not going to be able to, again, you're playing tug of war against somebody that's much stronger than you. So you really have to know how to play the game. And using protein to your advantage is, it's like a leverage. Yeah. You'll be able to fight those 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 senses and those urges because if, if not, again, you're not going to be able to sustain that for very long. And that's Again, usually why people will will fail with a diet. Yeah, I had a, um, a student in my small group program who she was, uh, when she first joined um, the small group program, she was, you know, one of her biggest complaints was 
um, was cravings and overeating. Mm-hmm. And she was emotionally struggling with that, thinking that it was an emotional, mental issue that she had. And so um, several things that we identified. One is that she was not consuming enough calories. She was doing intermittent fasting and was only eating two, twice a day. So we had to begin to increase her total overall calories. So we kind of undieted her. But then one of the things we began to work on too was really calculating that protein. And when she calculated her protein, she was getting like 45 grams of protein. So we, over time, worked that up and um and her like she just is beaming because one her cravings are gone so she's not feeling controlled by food any longer not hungry all the time but two we gave her more calories and she actually began to lose the weight that she was trying to to lose and so um she was able to hit her goals and she is just like beaming and loving life because she's she's nailed just these two small things of eating the right amount of calories for her body but then also the right amount of protein. Right, right, and so it's right, not as complicated as as it needs to be. We can really just start with something simple like protein. No, that that one thing can actually be the the key that unlocks, you know, people's weight loss. Yeah. And it, and it, and it can be effortless right. at times. Right. You know? So you don't have to count all your calories, but if you're going to count something, count protein. That's what we usually say. So let's talk about how protein helps to su- support muscle gain. Now, before anyone says, I'm not looking to gain right. muscle, well, I'm not talking about bodybuilding not muscle, like, yes. right? We're not becoming bodybuilders here. That's not no. what we're talking about. However, if you are aging, it's very important yes. that you that you make sure that you gain muscle. So we're going to be talking about that. So why it's important to build muscle and how protein helps to support that. Yeah, well, we like to say muscle is the organ of longevity, which doesn't you know most people wouldn't even think that muscle is an actual an organ but it actually is they've they've re, you know there's so much more research now that's coming out that muscle does so much more than just move our our joints um and uh you know keep us upright that's what most people just think muscle does but muscle does so much more than that muscle is constantly being broken down as we talked about our body is constantly turning tissue over well if we're not giving it the proper building blocks and the right amount of building blocks throughout the day, we're going to end up being in a net negative and we're going to end up losing muscle over time. Well, there's all kinds of studies to show with as far as longevity goes is that we will start losing muscle at a pretty rapid rate if we don't do anything about it. We will actually lose one to two percent of our muscle per year after the age of 50, which is pretty scary. I mean, and and so what happens by the time we're 70? Right. They've done studies to show that from the age 20 to the age 80, you you can lose up to 35 to 40% of your muscle. Wow. That's, it's crazy. So because again, our body is turning things over, we don't have all those great stimulating hormones that we had when we were younger, those hormones that kind of just, you know, we can just eat whatever we want and and we just maintain muscle and everything's great. Well, we lose a lot of those hormones like growth hormone and testosterone and things like that, women, estrogen, and we end up in a, in a negative state where we end up losing more muscle than we're gaining. And we need to do whatever we can do to mitigate that. Well, there's two components to it. One is strength training, which we won't really get into in this podcast, but strength training is really the way to stimulate or one of the ways that you you will stimulate your muscle to get bigger and stronger because you're putting a stress and a load on the muscle and when you exercise in that way you're actually tearing the muscle down and when you um when afterwards and when you're recovering is when you're actually rebuilding it well 
what do you need to rebuild it? Is you need those building blocks, which are the amino acids, which come from protein. So if you're not supplying the protein and the amino acid at a proper amounts and and frequencies throughout the day, you're going to end up being in a net negative when it comes to muscle. And we want to do something, we'll talk about this um, later on in the podcast, but we want to stimulate what's called muscle protein synthesis, meaning we want to stimulate uh, muscle protein throughout the day. And if you don't have the right amount of protein and the right quality of protein, uh, you're going to be at a disadvantage and we need to do whatever we can do to mitigate that loss. And as we get older, we actually, studies have shown that in order to balance this out is we actually need more protein because we suffer from what's called anabolic resistance, meaning that we're anabolic means building. So we're actually, our body is resistant to the building process. So we actually need more protein as we get older. And unfortunately we see that most people, as they get older, they actually eat less. So protein supports weight loss. Protein supports the rebuilding and repairing of tissues. Protein supports muscle gain. Protein helps to synthesize hormones and enzymes and helps our immune function better. So all that to say, protein also helps us then to prevent chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, when you look at chronic diseases, a lot of them can be avoided with the proper diet and lifestyle. And one of the things that is a big topic now is what we call metabolic syndrome. And that's kind of a, a umbrella term for a lot of metabolic diseases under there. And one of the big ones is something like diabetes. So how could muscle and good quality muscle actually help um, mitigate something like diabetes? Well, Muscle is, we like to say, one of the biggest reservoirs for blood sugar, meaning when you have more muscle, you have more place basically to put things like blood sugar. So it's like, think about it as a big sink. So when you eat carbohydrate-rich meals and that gets turned into blood sugar, our body is our body now needs places to put the blood sugar. Well, the more muscle you have, the actual bigger your suitcase, say, or your sink is that you can actually where you can your body will actually store the blood sugar to help regulate your blood sugar versus if you don't have healthy muscle that you're using and you're moving the muscle or the blood sugar will actually then get converted into fat and then you'll actually get then it'll actually be deposited into your fat cells and then as we get more fat then as the fat accumulates and we start getting fat in places like our liver and around our organs and that's going to lead to inflammatory processes. There's links to high blood pressure, you know, cancer, all the things that, you know, we don't want to have. And one of the big drivers of that is poor blood sugar regulation and having more muscle and a better quality muscle will go a long way into help mitigating that. So I think that, you know, one thing that's important for us to kind of think about is, is protein and muscle gaining and muscle building is really not about becoming a bodybuilder. No. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that's just we as women, if that's what you're concerned about is becoming bulky or what have you, that that doesn't happen. It's going to, you know, for what it 
we will only gain, what, a half of a pound as a woman, half a pound of muscle per month if we are doing eating the right, everything. doing everything, eating the right yeah. protein, eating the right nutrients, and also being in the gym, right, and yeah. and building muscle. So, you know, that is, uh, that's not a lot. So what, at the end of the year, maybe it's six pounds of muscle, right. maybe. And yeah. so, but the older we are, the, you know, world. the less that's going to be. Yeah. And so I think that really we need to be thinking about this is about longevity. This is about our health. And this is about building a strong body and maintaining a strong body for as long as possible so that we, yes, no matter what we do, we're going to have reduced muscle yeah. by the time we're 80. Like we are not going to be able to over, you know, we're not going to be able to maintain everything. But how much can we hold on to? Because this is where we decrease our risk for falls. We decrease our risk for yeah being, you know, limited just to sitting in a chair to, you know, we want to be able to be able to go and do and be all that God called us to at any age, Lord willing, and we're going to need healthy muscle, healthy bodies yeah. to do so. And we need healthy, right amounts of protein. Yeah. I mean, as a physical therapist, that's what I saw most of my career is that the main reason why people would end up in like a skilled nursing facility is because they didn't have enough muscle and enough strength and balance to be able to live independently safely. So they would be falling. They you know, get to a point where they can't even get out of a chair. So maybe some people have seen that with their elderly parents and it's heartbreaking. And a lot of that could have been, yes, it, it's going, we are going to have a natural deterioration. That's how God designed us, but it can be mitigated um, in the earlier you start, the better. You know, that one of the things is um, you never hear any, you've never heard an 80 or a 90 year old say, I wish I didn't have as much muscle as I have. <laughs> that's really not something that's any that's ever been said. So yeah, I hope by now, you know, protein is important, but usually the question then becomes, okay, so then how much protein should we be eating? So all experts agree that we need protein, right? There's nobody out there that says you don't need protein, right? That's not a thing. So um, protein the problem is, though, that protein is perhaps one of the most debated macronutrients in terms of how much humans need and which types are best. Right. Well, let's just be honest. People are debating carbs and fats, too. So everything is well, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> everything's much a debate. all over the place. So protein is very debatable, uh, debated out there. And so, um, you know, some say we only need a small amount of protein and just 40 to 50 grams per day. Some say we need one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So if you're 200 pounds, that's 200 grams of protein. So which is right. Some say we should not eat any animal protein. And some say we should be 100% carnivores eating the entire animal from nose to tail and nothing else. So... So who's right? Right. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of confusion around protein. And so I truly believe that one of the reasons why there's so many various opinions, it stems from the original recommendations from the art. Uh, based on the recommended daily allowances or RDA, which was a committee that was created by the government during World War II. Right. So this group, this governmental group, um, needed to identify what was the minimum daily requirement for protein as well as other nutrients in order to s sustain life and avoid malnutrition, sickness, and death, specifically for the soldiers, right? Right. That was really their primary focus. So, how much vitamin C does the, do the soldiers need in order to not get scurvy? How much vitamin? How much protein did a uh, a soldier need in order to be able to thrive and function on you know in combat? So, what they determined was that with protein, that the minimum was 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. 
for an adult. So depending on your size, the RDA re- recommendations would land somewhere between 40 to 60 grams of protein per day. So how do you figure out your kilograms? You take your body weight, you divide by 2.2, mm-hmm. and then you would times that by 0.8 to determine what your RDA for protein would be. Right. And for most, it's going to land somewhere between 40 to 60. Now, these are not optimal protein amounts for health, okay? The latest research from the last 30 years shows that we need it significantly more than these minimal recommendations for optimal health. In some cases, double or more. So we have a for instance. So Dr. Donald Lehman, let's talk about him. Yeah, he's one of the world-leading researchers in uh, in protein and muscle metabolism. So he's basically one of the leaders in in really researching how much protein our body actually needs throughout the day. And they've landed on a range, and we're going to talk about who would fall into this range and even maybe even where you would, there are even situations where you could be even going above that, but anywhere between 1.2 to 1.6 grams a protein per kilogram of body weight per day. So we're looking at almost double of the RDA allowance to to be optimal. So I promise that we're not trying to make your head spin with all of these numbers. What we really wanted to do was... It's a little complicated too when you're talking about kilograms. I know, kilograms. Why can't it just be pounds? Right. Um, and so I guess because the world doesn't revolve around no, the know, U.S. I metric know. system. It all revolve around how we do it. Yeah. So, yeah. but what we wanted to do is we just wanted to kind of give a scientific base for... Mm why our recommendations are what they are. So Dr. Lehman and other leading nutrition experts are now recommending that we consume somewhere between 90 to 120 plus grams of protein per day. And again, where we land on that is going to depend on our age, our gender, our weight, our activity level. So let's talk about that. Yeah, that is a nice, comfortable range that that they've determined that will allow you to maintain muscle, maintain a, a good, comfortable um, body composition. So, and we talked about that, how muscle muscles is a big, plays a really big role in uh, regulating blood sugars and helping support your metabolism. So that where that's where they've landed on the research to show that that's a, a really nice sweet spot for people to be able to manage uh, their body weight and their body composition. However, there's actually strong research to show that if you are in a place of possibly needing to lose weight, um, there's research to show that that there are optimal numbers that are even above those numbers. And even if you are, especially even if you're a person where you're looking at gaining muscle, if you're not necessarily a bodybuilder, but if you're trying to add muscle, you'd actually be going even close to 2.2 to there. I mean, there are even studies to show that you can even go up to even three uh, grams per kilogram of body weight per day. So now you're talking almost three times the RDA allowance. Right. So we can go three times the RDA. Right. Not to say, we're not saying that you that, need to do that. Right. But there are studies that show. So and, show that with without any adverse effects. But one issue is that it's really hard to eat that amount of protein. Yes. So we work with weight loss clients all the time. And one of the things that we're always helping them to achieve first, it's really one of the first goals that we have for them is just really to hit their protein goals for the day. And so we, we strive to get them to that 90 uh, gram per day mark first, and then we get them up to the 120, and then we baby step them. And then depending on their weight, we will then give them their unique protein goal to hit for. But right. oftentimes we find it 
very, very challenging for our students to go above 150 without a great amount of effort and without a lot of complaining. Yeah. So especially with what we talk about, like where people are coming from, where the standard American is coming from. Um, I think it's something like 12% maybe of their daily calorie intake is from protein. So when you look at that, it's you're to go from that standard to where we're asking them to go is just a huge leap. Right. So now we don't want uh, protein to be considered a percentage of calories, but really we want protein to probably land. If you were to look at calories, it would probably land in the 35 to 40 percent range. And so with calories, uh, with protein calories in a standard American diet, we're like you're saying, it's somewhere, it's somewhere between 12 and 16 yeah. percent is what the average American is eating. So we're like the the recommendations for optimal health is actually d- uh, double, double, doubled, yeah. right? And so um, and so that's one of the reasons why it's so uh, challenging to yeah. begin to baby step up that way and to get to that 90 then the 120 or more is because it really is not something we're used to. We are a carbohydrate heavy right. um, country. And where did that come from? I mean, we are doing everything that the government tells us to do. So the government says eat 40 to 50 grams of protein. I will tell you that when we uh, work with students, you know, in small group settings and we have them track their uh, protein, what we end up finding is most are are in that range of 40 to 60. Right. And that's how much they're consuming every day. And they're wondering why are they tired and they're sluggish and they can't lose weight and they're hungry and they have cravings and all the, the time. The trend is too, as you get older, you'll eat less. Right. You'll eat less. Eat less less overall, but you also eat less protein. And what all the studies show is that's actually when you need more protein. Right. Because our body is actually less efficient in using the protein. It's called anabolic resistance. So it's our body actually is uh, it, it does not use the amount of protein that we're getting in as well as you did when you were younger, because a lot of that has to do with hormones. So you actually need to overcome that by actually eating more protein as you get older. But unfortunately, the the trends are uh, we see the opposite as people actually eat less. And we really wanted to talk, as, as you were saying, about how protein is. We don't necessarily like to look at protein as a percentage of calories is because when you think about it, protein is not really a energy source. So protein, like we talked about, is a, is, is a building block. So when we look at the macronutrients and we're looking at carbs, fats, and protein, our body will typically or, or use carbs and fats as a source of energy. So it's burning that, it's breaking that down as you, as you consume it and it's breaking it down for energy versus protein. Our body doesn't want to use protein as energy. Our pro, it, it's like a last resort. It's like burning down the house kind of a thing in order to keep the house warm. It's like, we're not going to do that. So... Um, that's why we like to say that protein is, don't even think of protein as a, as a energy source when you're, when you're eating it, think about it as it's just a building block. So that's why we like to set for our students, we like to set the protein and then we build the whole diet basically off of that. We build the carbohydrates and the fats based off of their goals and their personal preferences. So when you think about 90 to 100 grams of protein, that might seem like a lot to eat each day, especially if you, you know, I'd, I'd encourage you as you're listening to this, like maybe this week, do a little bit of a diary and, and calculate how much protein grams am I eating every day? And maybe 
track that for three or four days and see where you land. And so, because it's really important to get an awareness of how much protein and you're you'll eating. You'll really be surprised. You'll really be surprised, um, especially if you are eating standard American diet um, or if you're really not bringing awareness to that and you're kind of not because really paying attention to protein. Most of our processed foods, or if you looked at the, you basically look at the whole middle section of the grocery store. Very low, everything in there is a very low percentage of protein. Carbohydrate and fat rich, yeah. protein yeah. poor. And if you look at, well, bar, the reason why that is, is because it's, those are cheaper things to produce. Absolutely. Um, it's the, the. And let's just be honest, yummier too. Well, yeah. Yeah. They're more, uh, they light up really fun parts of our brain. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, you know, an example of how to begin to increase your protein and baby step that. I mean, it, this is why we actually like protein powders is because it can help us to supplement our protein totals for the day and help us to achieve those goals more easily. So a scoop to a scoop and a half of protein powder in your morning smoothie, a four to six ounce piece of meat or fish with your lunch and with your dinner, or if you're vegan, it would be a four ounce um, piece of tempeh with a half of a cup of black beans on the side. That's going to give you a good amount of protein with each meal so that you can get to that 90 to 120 grams that uh, that we need on a daily basis. But I think that's really important for us to now talk about that not all protein is created mm -hmm. equal. So when it comes to things like muscle building and tissue building, um, that not all protein is created equal. Yeah, And so... We're going to take you to nutrition school here for a minute once again. And so, as we said, amino acids are the building blocks of proteins. And while your body can make some amino acids on its own, I mean, you have an incredible body. Like, it can mm -hmm. actually create amino acids on its own, primarily in the form of of breaking down your body and, right. you know, and using and recycling amino acids, right? But there are nine amino acids that you have to obtain through the food that you eat in order mm -hmm. to maintain health. So these are called essential amino acids because they are essential to eat for health. So animal products like beef, fish, dairy, and eggs, these contain enough of every one of those nine essential amino acids. Therefore, Animal protein is considered a complete protein, right. but protein can also be found in plant sources, some plant sources, right. such as beans and grains and nuts and seeds and, and even greens, believe right. it or not. Kale actually Kale has protein. protein in it. Yep. So uh, side note here, I'm not really a, a fan of soy. That's a topic for another day. So there are many plant sources um, of protein, but often they are too low in or missing one of those mm -hmm. essential amino acids. So plant protein, therefore, is considered an incomplete protein. But plant foods do contain varying amounts of these different amino acids. So you can manage to get enough of each, each of these essential amino acids throughout the day by eating a, a varied diet and combining complementary plant proteins. So, for example, grains like rice, they have amino acids in them, but they are too low in the essential amino acid of lysine to be considered a complete protein. But if you also eat beans, and you don't have to eat it at the same time, they found out you can actually eat them later in the day. Right. But if you, by combining and eating beans, which are higher in lysine, you can be sure to obtain all of your nine essential amino acids. But we don't just want all nine essential amino acids. We want the right amounts right. of each of the essential acids. So for example, leucine. Uh -huh. It's a very important amino acid that is necessary for rebuilding muscle, right? right? 
And we talked about already how important it is to maintain muscle, right? So let's talk about how much leucine do we need and what do we need? To, like, why do we need to focus on this essential, acid, essential amino acid? Right. Yeah. It's like, how did we end up with just like this one key? Well, they're all important, but one really key one. Well, Donna Lehman was one of the first people to really find that leucine is actually what they call like a trigger to trigger what we call muscle protein synthesis. Big fancy word. Basically means when your body senses that leucine in enough of an amount is there present from the food you eat, it actually gives the green light to back basically build muscle. And because again, what we don't want is we don't want our body is constantly breaking things down and, and rebuilding it. So we want to, we don't want to be in a negative uh, protein or muscle situation. So we don't want to be breaking down more than we're building. So in order to stimulate the building process, you need to have leucine at a right amount in order to trigger that process to happen. And we'd like to have that happen multiple times a day in order for you to maintain your muscle. So leucine is found in large amounts in animal proteins. So even things like chicken and beef, um, even whey protein powder. So you actually want, and they've really, they've done all the studies to show this, but you want about 2.5 to 3 grams of leucine in order to trigger the muscle protein synthesis. So what is where, where how do, how how do you possibly know if you're getting that? Because that's not on the that's no, not on the, well, the back of the label. Well, that's the thing that can be frustrating is because on the back of a label, all you see is protein. If you notice, and it just says protein, it doesn't break down a lot of times what the amino. We've even tried <laughs> to call companies to ask them what their amino acid profiles are, and it can't even sometimes get that from companies. But um, that's a side note. But yeah, so leucine, so in order to get that 2.5 to 3 grams, is that equates to about 30 grams of protein, of animal-based protein per meal. So that's where we land on a dosage of about 30, 30 grams of protein because when you're eating animal-based protein, about 10% of it is leucine. So you think about if you're eating 30 grams, 25 to 30 grams, then about 2.5 to 3 grams of that is leucine. And that's enough to trigger your body to build muscle, basically. And that's what we want. Again, your body is constantly breaking muscle down. And we want to be able to hit that with that stimulus in order to tell our body to go, okay, we, we have the proper building blocks necessary to build a muscle. However, things like plant-based proteins, which are, are, are very good and, um, you know, you can totally do this on a on a vegetarian and even vegan diet. It's just you just have to be much more aware of which combinations of these plant-based protein powders or proteins in general will actually get you to those numbers. Because again, plant-based are going to be lower in in an essential amino acid like leucine. So let's just take talk a minute to our dear friends who are vegan or vegetarian. So first of all, we want you to know that we have both, Chris and I have both been vegans and yes. vegetarians in the past. Um, and truth be told, if we were like go way, way back, even before we started getting healthy, we were probably a bit more of a carbitarian okay. than a vegetarian, right? Um, we were vegans who hated vegetables. Yeah, no ve- no vegetables. <laughs> yeah, we loved all those processed carbs um, that we were allowed, right? So I'm no longer vegan because I discovered that it was not the right bu- uh, diet for me, you actually were a vegan more recently mm-hmm. and you were like a whole food, like oh, yeah. hardcore uh, about vegan. two to three years. Right. And so um, 
you know, so what we discovered is I discovered a long time ago that it wasn't right for me. But then you started hitting walls mm-hmm. with your health and with your um, with your uh, weight training mm-hmm. um, efforts that you were doing. So you were complaining to me like, I just can't. I'm like hitting a wall. I mm-hmm. like you weren't you weren't. Um, wasn't thriving. You weren't thriving. You were you had low energy. You weren't able to see the muscle growth that you were hoping for. And so I, as your health coach, knew that you needed more protein. And so I started to begin to encourage that. And at that time, I was not educated really to know how to come up with the right math right. Um, combos of the of the amino acids that were needed. Right. Because the science that we're talking about today is really more newly, yeah. uh, not only newly research, but really publicized. Yeah, it's, it's more not, in the forefront now. It's more in the forefront now. And so you began to eat more protein mm-hmm. and started to embrace animal protein again. And it began to really transform how you, you felt and how you were, you were thriving. You felt right. like your health was a lot better. So for Chris and I, we just um, began to realize that our health uh, that we needed more animal protein in our in our diets. So um, after working, you know, we've worked with many vegans and vegetarians over the last decade. And again, being them ourselves, um, you will have your work cut out for you when it comes to getting a protein. So if you rely on plant protein as your primary or only source of protein, you will be getting a lot of starchy carbohydrates and fat that comes along with those sources. So for instance, to get the same protein you would get from a six ounce piece of salmon, which has zero carbohydrates, you would need about three cups of beans. And that three cups of beans, not only is it a lot to try to eat, right? Three cups of beans. I don't know that I would ever want to eat that amount, but it's going to also give you 123 grams of carbohydrates. And so that is just an extra carbohydrate load that your body's going to have to have to process. So these extra carbs and fat grams will come with these plant sources. And the issue is, is that those then need to fit within our macronutrients. Yeah, well, ultimately, that's going to increase increase your calorie intake. It's going to increase your calorie intake, right? So we just have to be mindful of where those right. fit within our total macros. And so we can't also, if we're going to eat that much beans and rice in order to get the protein, we can't also be eating pasta, which has zero protein, right? right? And so that's where we just need to be mindful. And especially if you are a vegan and you try to lose weight, then we just need to be aware of this. Um, so vegans will just need to be very mindful of that total that's calorie and macronutrient ratio. It's just, it's just, you just have to be much more diligent about looking at your combinations that you're that you're consuming. One little side note about uh, protein powders and specifically vegan protein powders is that you know we have protein powders that we recommend, and one of them is a vegan protein powder. And so um, it has happens to be Truvani, which is the one that I use on a daily basis um, in my morning smoothies. And uh, the question then is, is does that have enough leucine in it to be able to um, hit our goals for protein synthesis? And the answer is yes. So the primary protein source that's found in Truvani is pea protein. And so when you look at the pea protein, it is the right amount of percentage of leucine that is in there. So you just need to make sure that you're not just doing one scoop, though. So one scoop is only going to be 20 grams of protein. And so really, we want to hit like 25 to 30 grams of protein. So it's going to be like a a rounded scoop or a scoop and a half mm-hmm. is going to get you more closer to that. So that's just a, a piece there for all of our academy members who might be using eating smoothies every day. Um, and they're like, but wait a minute, you told us that, you know, that Trubani's okay, Katrina, and um, and protein powder, uh, does this still have enough leucine in it? And the answer is yes. And so um, hopefully that's helpful there. 
Okay, so let's wrap it up here. So we this episode was all about protein, obviously, right? And so we talked about what protein is, why protein is so vitally important to our health, to our metabolism, to our weight loss efforts. And we talked about how most people are not getting enough. And we share with you the right amount of protein that you should be eating in order to maintain a healthy body. So what I'd love to share with you is I'd love to share with you a list of our glorious foods that include these high quality proteins on it. Because again, not all proteins are created equal. And so I would love to get the glorious food listing into your hands. And that's included in our Healthy Free Life Starter Kit. And you can grab our starter kit at kit.healthyfreelife.com. Again, kit healthyfreelife.com. Not only does it include our glorious food listing, it also has the first five steps to get started with your healthy, free life. All right, let us just remember, we talked a lot about protein, you know, we'll, we've talked about carbs and fats and all these things, but let's just remember them not as macronutrients, but truly as God's gift to us. It is His food that helps to come in and nourish, heal, and bring health to our bodies. I love this from Genesis 9-3, where, where God gives Noah the commandment that animals are now on the menu, where he says, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. Until next time, bye for now. <laughs>